everyone. It's time for Radio Trivia. It's, it's been a while. It's uh, June of 2020, episode 120. Come on, man. It's episode 169. And uh, this time we got Johnny Metz with us. Hi, everybody. Long time friend of the show and cohort forever. Uh, yeah, thanks for joining us, Johnny. Always my pleasure. Uh, so it's just me. Why do I say the royal I? <laughs> this is so dumb. Well, I'm, you're joining the listeners, too. Yeah. We're all in here together. Yeah. One big, big happy group here. So, um, yeah, we've got five games. It's the usual drill. Uh, Johnny picked two of the games. Uh, I picked three. Well, I slash listeners like you. If you have a request, you can send it to TYP at NintendoWorldReport.com. Um, but, yeah, five games, three songs per game. Figure out the game based on the music and uh, win a prize of your choosing. <laughs> that you acquire for yourself. <laughs> All right, let's go on to the first game. Wow, that was so triumphant to start the show, Mike. Uh, well, you know, we got, we got to celebrate coming back to Radio Trivia here. Yeah. Well, uh, it is uh, it's good to be back. Good to be listening to music with you. I do not know this game yet, so I'm going to need more songs.
Well, Mike, I'm uh, a little bit stopped. I mean, this sounds very um, 90s Japanese RPG uh, kind of uh, plucky crew saving the world, but um, I don't know. It might just be evocative of that. Well, there is a hint question for you. Oh, that'll help. Maybe. Yeah, well, maybe. <laughs> Sometimes I'm really bad with my hint questions. i got to warn you. <laughs> so this game series generally takes place in the skies over what fictional location? the third song um hopefully you could hear it okay yeah any thoughts guesses um hunches you know uh, the the hint question makes me think that it's um you said a fictional place right as far as i'm aware this is a fictional place <laughs> okay uh if it is primarily set in disguise over a fictional place that makes me think it's some kind of a flight-centric spinoff. So um, I'm going to go with Pilot Wings Resort. Ooh, interesting guess. Uh, this is Poppin' Twinbee. Oh. Which came out on uh, the Super Famicom slash Switch on the Nintendo Online service. I think we uh, chose the quote-unquote original Twin B for for NES. I don't know. If that's really the original Twin B, <laughs> but uh, the super fa- the, the regular Famicom game in a previous episode. I think we talked about that together. Yes, I have not. I've not played the uh, Super NES one or the Super Famicom one. I, as you may guess, it's very similar overall yeah. gameplay, but it, it is a very appealing visual style and and the music's really good. Um, I'm terrible at the game as I am with all such games like this. Um, <laughs> being you know uh, kind of traditional vertical sh- uh, sh- shooters shoot them up 
whatever you want to call them. And uh, but it, I mean, it's so colorful and you know, really nice sprite work. Um, I mean, my son Isaac just really loved looking at just the artwork and the intro sequences and all that stuff, just super bright. I mean, that the NES game or Famicom game already was really kind of visually appealing, like a comic book, and this yeah. one really um, takes it, to, you know, to, to a much higher standard. So, uh, it might be a little more forgiving. I think I got past the first level. Okay. Um, but I'm just terrible at these games so it's a shame because I, I really seems like it would be a fun adventure and I, I don't know if the game gets easier or harder with two players that might help I don't know the first one seemed to get easier uh, I think I think your two ships when they connect together they hold hands and then you increase your firepower or something like mm. that um, yeah that sounds familiar maybe you and I can play online sometime and unlock the secrets of the, of the game mechanics because uh, <laughs> I, I like the first twin B I'd never played it before the switch online service and uh, so I would like to check out this one on the uh, on the super NES um, library I've not had the chance to do that yet but I like mm -hmm. the music I mean I'm not surprised really when you um, when you said what it is because yeah the kind of just super bright super fast-paced busy sort of exuberant uh music i mean it, it is mid-90s japanese music and uh yeah and although not an rpg yeah i could i could see this going with the kind of frenetic pace of uh of a, a twin b shoot em up cute em up yeah yeah absolutely and I, I think that they just brought in all the konami stable composers and each one wrote a song so i mean i'm not gonna list all the composers here but it's it's got good music because i think they just pulled from everyone and said, okay, you make one song or maybe two songs. And, and so they just sort of went at it um, and gave it everything. So it's, it's, it seems like an adventure. Like I said, I, I'd love to actually get through the whole thing. I'm just not sure I have the chops for it. Well, there's always the rewind feature, so. Yeah, I definitely made use of that a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, and you're right, um, that, that can probably be cheese to great effect on a game like this i would think so yeah um yeah. I, I love the rewind I've, I've used that to get through a lot of games that i either would never have gotten through or could have gotten through and did when i was younger but now don't have the patience for it <laughs> oh yeah a lot of those nes games or even the really good ones it's just they're it's it just of a different era and they're not nearly as forgiving yeah and, and a game like that you know like it's I pro if I if I couldn't cheat through it, I probably wouldn't bother playing it. So I'd rather mm -hmm. use the cheat and actually just get to experience you know some of the stuff in the in the later parts of the game. So uh, you know if I if I want to, I could always play it without that. And and you know I might I might do that, but usually I, I'm just curious. I just want to see all the stuff in it. You know. Yeah. So yeah. especially with a, a game like Twin Bee, yeah, um, that sounds fun. So the answer to the question, uh, you probably, I had to look it up. I was looking for a question. Mm. Um, uh, the name of the island, or arguably a uh, collection of islands, is uh, Donburi Island. Of course, named after um, the rice bowl. So <laughs> I, I would hope there isn't actually a, a place in Japan called Donburi Island. But it, I wouldn't be uh, shocked it, if there was. Yeah. <laughs> 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 That's cute. I think there might be rice balls in Twin B. Like as a food that you can pick up and, yeah. you know, it does something. Well, Donburi is, is, is a rice bowl. A rice right? bowl, yeah. my bad. That's a particular dish. Yeah. 
Okay, well, I don't have a whole lot to say. It's it, it's Twinbee. I, I, it's definitely worth the price of admission if you already have Nintendo Switch Online. So. Mm -hmm. I do think it's worth checking out, if only for the visuals and audio, just to get a sense of it. Because it's... Um, I, I feel like a lot of the super anime stuff just never really made it over. Yeah. Um, and, and so it's, it's kind of fun to see this. And uh, also, like, uh, the Panelty Pond kind of has a somewhat similar aesthetic. So... Yeah. Okay, we're going to go on to Johnny's first request here. That was the first song, uh, and uh, we're going to go on to the second song before Johnny's uh, computer takes off into flight here.
that's a crazy song. I love that one. <clears throat> All right. So I've got a hint question for everyone listening at home, because uh, Mike already knows the game. Uh, so what's the name of the collectible card game enjoyed by this game's hero and many other characters you meet throughout? Hmm. Glad you didn't try to quiz me on this one because I would not have gotten it. <laughs> well, I thought the uh, the question hopefully is helpful for some people because um, how many games have their own collectible card game built in? And mm-hmm. you know, this doesn't exactly sound like The Witcher Three. So um, this is Shovel Knight, King of Cards, the uh, fourth section. It's not. It's I guess it's not strictly a standalone game, but it was released. Um, as a, a major uh, downloadable content pack for Shovel Knight Treasure Trove, um, which I got as a Kickstarter, one of the original Kickstarters from like seven or eight years ago. And uh, this is the final chunk of content that's released for Shovel Knight. So um, before, I guess, they got sequels and spinoffs and stuff in the future, but this is all part of the original promise to the uh, Kickstarter backers. So um, it's a whole new campaign, uh, just like the the couple that came before it um, for Spectre Knight and um, Plague Knight. And I think this this one is about uh, is about King Knight and I think how he becomes King Knight. Um, and uh, I think this is my favorite one of the of the downloadable uh, content packs. Um, it's it's probably going to be one of the least played just because it came so late after the original. 
release of Shovel Knight, um, and uh, you know, and long after the game had already bridged platforms from mm-hmm. you know the Wii U and stuff like that over to the Switch. Um, so, you know, if it, for me, I'm actually I've been playing King of Cards on my Wii U because that's where I have the original game, and so that's where all my free downloadable content comes in. Um, so it's been an interesting to spend time with the Wii U again after a couple years of not really messing with it. Um, but uh, it's been I've gone back to it over and over and over again because I want to keep playing King of Cards. It's it's really great. Um, I think King Knight has a, a fun. He's the most fun to control of all the bonus characters that they've done in Shovel Knight. I think um, you know, and, and maybe is more is the most like Shovel Knight himself. Um, but it has this kind of dash, air dash, um, bouncy kind of pogo bounce um, mechanic, and, and you have to do those like in combination with each other in order to continue to get a chain and uh, and get across bigger gaps and get up to higher places. And the game, you know, gently guides you through learning how to do that, and and then mixes in a lot of other um, mechanics as well. And you know, I, I think with King of Cards, the um, uh, the level designs are the most different from the original Shovel Knight. That was kind of a problem I had with the Plague Knight uh, campaign, is that the levels just felt sort of remixed, and they were more tuned for Plague Knight's abilities, but it still felt like I was sort of just replaying through the game. Uh, And King King Knight's uh, campaign feels really brand new. I mean, certainly there are a few graphical elements and, and a few gameplay ideas that are you know, that are remixed from before, but most of the content really feels new. The level designs don't feel like anything that I've seen before or that would have worked in Shovel Knight. So, um, and that might just be the amount of time that I've taken away from it. Uh, but I've really been kind of surprised at how, uh, how, how much there is to it and how much fun I'm having, even uh, as I get now toward the end of it. Uh, it's probably been like a 10 hour campaign. So it's, it's easily as long as the original Shovel Knight. Um, and uh, it's it's like I said, it's it's surprisingly pretty great, uh, very full featured. And um, one of the things that makes it so fully featured is this collectible card game that is pretty much optional. I think you might have to play it once or twice at the beginning just to you know just to be introduced to it because um, it is also part of the fiction of the world. But this card game called Joustus—that's the answer. Um, Joustus is a uh, you know it's in a, a long tradition of video game fake card games like. <laughs> Like the ones in Final Fantasy VII or Final Fantasy VIII and IX, I guess, um, and, uh, and and a few other RPGs and stuff like that along the way, um, and of course The Witcher. Um, but uh, but yeah, I cannot say that I'm a huge fan of Joustus. I think it's kind of interesting, but um, eventually, as the game goes on, they sort of add more and more uh, features to it that make it really hard to predict what's going to happen. Uh, like. When, when an opponent plays, and I, I'm kind of finding it not that much fun as as I get deeper into the game. But I, I enjoyed it for a little while, um, and like I said, it's it's really optional, so not a big deal if you don't like playing it. Um, but I know some people really love it, so that's cool bonus so, if you do. So Johnny, yeah. as someone who who bought the original game on Wii U, would I have to purchase this as a downloadable? Extra? Uh, no, I think if you if you bought it on Wii U, you should have the, with the at some point they converted the original Shovel Knight for people who already had it at the time. They patched it and it became Shovel Knight Treasure Trove. And if you if you have Treasure Trove, then that means you get all of the downloadable content. 
So at some point they Did started I have to like upgrade within a particular. I don't time think period, so. Or? I think it just happened. Uh, I mean, it's worth going to check. You know, uh, download all the latest patches and everything, and see what they gave you. But I think. Um, I don't even know that you... I don't even think you can purchase King of Cards separately, so I think you can only get it through having Treasure Trove. And if you bought it... If you bought tr Wii, if you bought Shovel Knight on Wii U, I think... I could be wrong on this, but I think I think it is a Treasure Trove version. There's a, there's a strange history to how they handled all this, because at some point they wanted to increase the price of the game uh, to be more proportional to how much content they had added to it over all the years. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, which makes sense, because the game had been on sale a bunch of times, you know, and so the, the value of it had gone down even from the original price, and meanwhile they've, like, quadrupled the amount of stuff <laughs> to do in it. Um, and so they kind of wanted to reset it, but they grandfathered in everybody who'd already bought it up to that point um, to ensure that they would continue to get all the, all the extra stuff that they were going to add. So, I think you might be covered, but yeah, it's, it's worth checking. Okay, I'll check that out. Yeah. Um, and I'm looking forward to them making something new or different where they can perhaps get more profit. <laughs> I, 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 I have to think that this was a slog to uh, keep up all the promises. And Probably so. Love, yeah. Love. It's definitely one of those cases where it's pretty obvious that they overpromised in the original Kickstarter campaign, and they they offered to do a bunch of stuff that they had no idea how much work it was really going to be. And what's beautiful about the Shovel Knight experience uh, and story is that they actually they actually way more than delivered on the things they originally promised. Now, it took them like eight years to, to get all of it made and put out there, but they did honor the original commitments uh, to a degree that I think is very unusual. And um, and in the end, you know, the, the value that you got, especially uh, like as an original Kickstarter, you know, the, the amount of game that you got is pretty crazy. So um, yeah, they, they've built up a very loyal fan base and I'm, I'm curious to see you know, they, they're now kind of getting into some Yacht Club uh, developers. Um, they're kind of getting into some publishing deals now, um, which is interesting, but I'm especially curious to see what the creators of Shovel Knight do after Shovel Knight, uh, whether it's a sequel or something new. Okay, well, uh, I assume that was Jake Kaufman music. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the, actually the third track, I don't know if you picked up on it, but one, one reason I chose that song is because it reminds me a lot of the Milan Secret Castle music, and I, <laughs> I suspect that's intentional, but I don't know for sure. I wouldn't put it past him. Alright, we're going to go on to the third uh, game here, and this one's a request from a listener. Uh, Lemonade requested this game, so here we go. Thank you. 
Ooh. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just, this is making me think, wait, did Tetris Effect come out on Switch? No? Okay. Maybe something like that. I don't know if you've played this game or not, but it would not surprise me if you have. Hmm. your hint question so this game's plot is based on what type of playing cards uh, that was not that was a pure coincidence that there are two card based questions there just for the record can you tell does it show
Well, I'm afraid I have no clue what this game is, um, but I appreciate its very upbeat soundtrack. All right. Well, uh, again, this was a request from a listener, Lemonade. This is Sayonara Wild Hearts. Ah, okay. Okay. Which uh, came out on multiple platforms, including Switch. Yeah. Uh, And it was not a game I really knew that much about in spite of... uh, I think it received fairly high praise, maybe some awards even. Um, but, uh, you know, I read, uh, I think it was Neil's review on, on NintendoWorldReport.com. And he said, yeah, it's like about an hour long. So, <laughs> okay. So <laughs> I bought it and uh, I played it. And uh, it's a really cool game. I actually really like it. Um, and it is, it is short. Um, I guess the developers describe it as a pop album video game, whatever the hell that means. Okay. But um, it, it's it's a music game, but not in the same way most music games are. So I'd say it's more kind of a light action game set to music, and there are certain parts that are pretty well, you know, rigidly timed with the music, and then there are other parts that are a little bit looser with it, and it's just the soundtrack. Mm. Um but it's a bunch of really short sequences of, of stuff, very stylized visuals. It's sometimes a little hard, honestly, for me to tell what's going on. I don't know if that was intentional or I'm just struggling to um, uh, process what it's throwing at me because it's a pretty quick-paced game. But um, generally speaking, you're um, moving forward on a track or... Sometimes it's more flying around almost in, in space or on a motorcycle. It, it changes a little bit over time, and the controls are just... It, it builds on itself, but it also kind of just sort of plays with sh- things and keeps you on your toes. Hmm. Um, but it's pretty easy. There, there are a couple of parts that get harder, but it lets you skip it if you really want to after a few tries, the the part that's hard. And so it's pretty forgiving. It, it's, it's the kind of game I think you go back to for a score attack, trying to get a you know a higher rank. But it's just kind of a journey, you know. They, they wanted you to get through it, listen to the music. It, I know there's a story. Um, I, I can't tell you what it is, really, <laughs> honestly. But it, it does involve um, tarot cards. And I, I, I don't know. Just, if you play the game, it's a Swedish-developed game, but honestly, and it probably is intentional, it evokes a lot of Sega to me. And I haven't read up on... on interviews or anything with the developer but i really do feel like there's there's different aspects of this game that feel like sega arcadey games or even and a couple of spots actually reminded me of of like um uh sonic the hedgehog honestly but i I don't mean that in a bad way it also the the description sounds a bit like res also yeah i mean i haven't played res there are definitely sequences in there that that evoke res probably Mm -hmm. um but it's it just sort of a journey, and, it, and it's pretty cool how it kind of morphs over time. There are certain segments I'm like, I wish you would expand that into almost its own game. Yeah. And then there are other segments that, that I could have done without. And some of them are really short, so it's like, wow, oh, I wish there was more of that. But it, overall, it's, it's a really cool package. It's I think it was like 12 bucks, which for one playthrough, it's not enough. But I've already gone back and played it again, or at least part of the way through. Okay, I was wondering if you thought it was, it was worth going through multiple times. Yeah, it is between just sort of the visual style and the music and the desire to do a little better. Um, it is, and, and that once you play through it the first time, it unlocks a mode that gets rid of like the stage-based interface, where hmm. I felt like that really broke up the momentum of the game. 
Oh, so like you can play it in album mode? Yeah, it's like album mode. Okay. Yeah, where I like it just that. sort of streams them all together. Um, there's still, you know, a little bit of load times, but to me, it's a much smoother experience, really, the way I'd argue it should have just been from the beginning. Yeah. But uh, I, I guess I understand the desire to break it up into stages so you can see the progress and take a break. Because I, I think in album mode, I don't. I don't think I can save and come back to it later. I've suspended on the Switch um, earlier today, but I don't know if I'll be able to complete it later. I think I may have to plow through it if I want to uh, complete it. It kind of so. makes sense. If the, if the whole idea is to play it, you know, start to finish. Yeah. Um, well, this has been on my wish list for a while, just based on strong reviews, but I really didn't know... I hadn't actually heard any of the music, so... Um, it's good that I had a, a positive reaction to it, and uh, next time it goes on sale, I'll, I'll have to grab it. Yeah, I, I I don't know how to describe the music. I mean, you heard some of it. It's kind of Euro, but, I mean, Isaac loved watching this. My, my <laughs> three-year-old was just in a trance the whole time, and rarely is he watching me when I'm playing video games, but um, he just sort of, like, gawked at the whole thing because it, it is uh, an experience. Um, so thumbs up there for... For three-year-olds uh, going into a trance. <laughs> Sayonara, <laughs> Wild Hearts is three-year-old approved. Yeah, yeah, that works for me. I mean, I, I, I could, you know, yeah, that's about my wavelength. If a three-year-old would be mesmerized by it, I'll probably like it too. Yeah, I, I think you will, John. <laughs> I think you will. Um, all right, uh, let's go on to the next game, which is also a listener request.
Alrighty. Well, that is familiar. <laughs> All right, I'll let you think about that. Okay. Here's the hint if you didn't figure this out yet. <laughs> so the developers of this game had previously worked on which similar game using the Mario franchise? Okay, Johnny, it's yeah. time to show off your knowledge. What game is this? This has got to be Metroid Prime Pinball. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, uh, those are definitely Metroid Prime songs, but I think uh, it sounds like they've been remixed or extended or 
you know, they're they're different versions than than uh, from the original game. Is what it sounds like. Yeah, yeah, they're they're slightly different in terms of how they've been chopped up. Some of it might be the emulation, but I, I listened to Metroid Prime soundtrack and back to back. I mean, Metroid Prime has more time for ambiance, and so there's often more of kind of a build up to the song itself. Yeah. Proper and. I think with a pinball game, they just sort of have to jump right in. That makes and, sense. And get right to it, just because, you know, it's pinball. It's yeah, happy, right? you launch into it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, it's Metro Prime Pinball, a, a game I never checked out. I did play the previous game they had worked on with Nintendo, which, uh, well, do you, do you remember what that was? Oh, that's called Mario Pinball. Is there is there another word in there? Land, of course. Land. Oh yes, uh, I think yeah. the developer was named Fuse. Fuse yep, Games. That's right. Okay. Fuse Games. Yeah. Um, so you know, it, it was really highly regarded back in the day. I mean, it, you know, it, probably by today's standards, maybe it, I don't know if the frame rate will hold up or or what. I mean, there's been a lot of pinball games uh, on uh, more powerful hardware since then. Yeah. But um, at the time, I mean, it, it, it was really well loved, and obviously, it's a great. Uh, franchise to adapt into a, a pinball game. I played both of these, and uh, I remember thinking that the Metro game was a little deeper and a little better. Um, maybe, I'm sure it was. Maybe does not have as many unique boards. I want to say Mario, the Mario game, um, move from board to board, but each one would. I think that was a Game Boy Advance game. Maybe it was. Uh, so I mean, it had less screen real estate. Yeah. And it was. Well, there might have been another mode. It. it it was essentially one big adventure, which I mean I liked at least in in principle. I, I think it was a little bit janky in practice, mm-hmm. but uh, more than a little janky in practice. Um, but uh, you and I both have fond memories of probably a not that well known game called Pinball Quest on uh, NES, oh, yeah. which uh, uh, certainly uh, Mario Pinball Land harkened back to. Um, I don't know if Metroid Prime Pinball really does that. I, I feel like it's more of um, individual boards that have several several tables on them or yeah. maybe have the terminology wrong yeah. maybe it's tables with individual boards I, you know i po- my point is it's, it's more like uh you know it's self-contained more, right it's, it's more of a straightforward it's more of the the normal pinball format i would say although it certainly has a lot of um you know video pinball kind of gimmicks mm-hmm. i mean there there are um sections where Samus pops up uh, out of the... Normally, you know, she's in her morph ball form and you're paddling that around like a pinball. Uh, but sometimes she'll uh, stand in a, on like a platform in the middle and you can spin her around with the flipper buttons and, and she'll shoot at things coming in. So they add some arcade kind of, um, mm-hmm. you know, just action uh, segments to it that are very fanciful and, um, you know, and, and just take advantage of, uh, of the setting. Uh, but yeah, it, there's there's some real depth there, and there are some kind of like meta challenges beyond just get a high score. Um, it's not you know anything like the Pokemon pinball games, um, and maybe not even the kind of um, uh, you know like point to point story kind of arc or camp campaign. Maybe is a better way to put it than story uh, of the Mario pinball game. Um, I think uh, I think the Metroid sequel follow-up is um a little more arcadey uh and maybe doesn't have a ton of staying power but yeah i really enjoyed it and it did come with the uh very loud 
DS Rumble Pack <laughs> cartridge oh, right. that you plugged in uh, to the Game Boy Advance cartridge slot, and uh, it was more of a noisemaker than a vibration generator, <laughs> um, but uh, it was amusing and very, very optional. Yeah. Was there any other games that used that? I feel like there were very few others that yeah. bought them, but they were never of any consequence. Yeah, no, just maybe two or three total, I think. Um, and frankly, it wasn't very good. Um, but uh, you know, they tried. <laughs> it was it was neat. It added something extra interesting to a you know a pinball game that might not have gotten a lot of attention otherwise. So yeah. Um, if it got more people to play this, then I think that's good. And if you ever get a chance to play Metroid Prime Pinball, I'd say check it out. Um, you know, you certainly don't have to be a huge Metroid fan, but it, it is mostly fan service. But it's a pretty good pinball game, as I recall. Cool. Yeah. All right, well, that was requested by Do What? And uh, the composers were, I believe, the same as the composers for Metroid Prime, but credited to uh, Kenji... Yamamoto and Masaru Tajima. So okay. Yep. All right, one last game here, and this one's all Johnny's. So go yell at him. <laughs> Thank you. 
that's fun. Yeah. Kind of swampy fiddle music. Yeah, you can probably tell why I like this this game soundtrack <laughs> quite a bit. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. I feel like the soundtrack's one big jam session. <laughs> yeah, with a lot of strange instrument choices um, and uh, some pretty dark, uh, kind of dark vibes, uh, dark themes, evil sounding music sometimes. Uh, all mm. right, here is your hint question What's the brand name of the energy goo available from your nearest vending machine and/or planetary drop zone?
Mm. Well, I'm very amused about this game being picked uh, independently of the game I picked, although <laughs> perhaps um, not entirely coincidental because um, I know you. Yeah. Uh, what game is this, Johnny? This is called Journey to the Savage Planet. And uh, it is, as of our recording, just come out on Nintendo Switch. Um, but it's been available on other platforms, um, uh, PS4 and Xbox One, maybe PC, since early 2020. Um, but it's a it's a quite a recent game, and uh, it's one that I really recommend very strongly. Um, I have enjoyed it a great deal. I've not played the Switch version myself, but I've heard it's very good. So, um, and I think that would be a great place to, great way to play this game. Um, yeah. So, Johnny, I'm I'm reading the gameplay description in Wikipedia, mm-hmm. and uh, the few words jump out at me. Yes, uh, jetpacks. Yes, uh, grappling hooks. Yes. Um, this sounds like your kind of game. Yes. Tell us more about the jetpacks and grappling hooks. Indeed. Um, yeah, journeying around the Savage Planet involves a lot of mobility upgrades and and abilities. Um, this game is really the most direct successor to Metroid Prime that I have played. And, um, and it's, it's really, it's about the same kinds of things. It's about exploring a big alien place. It's very much designed. It's not randomly generated or anything like that. It's very much designed. Uh, lots of secrets hidden everywhere. Lots of upgrades hidden all over the place. Some of them are required. Some of them are optional. Um, there is a gun and you shoot things, but it's not, I mean, it's a first person game, but it's very little about the shooting. In fact, there's a, a really strong lock-on uh, feature so that you don't really have to do much aiming. Um, but there is a lot of first-person platforming. And that can really make or break a game that leans on it too heavily. And uh, and I think it's just done really nicely uh, in Journey to the Savage Planet. I mean, it, it, all of the mobility, all the dashing around and the grappling and the, you know, the, the uh, jetpacking, it all just feels right to me. And, uh, and I think your command of your uh, mobility and of, and of you know, being able to navigate the, the environment, this alien world that you're dropped on at the beginning, it really develops nicely over the course of the game. Um, and and uh, I just enjoyed it start to finish. Um, so, yeah, I would, I'd really recommend checking it out if you like stuff like that. Well, we'll know, I don't know when we're getting Metroid Prime 4, so... Uh, <laughs> it might be a while. Maybe this is something to play in the meantime yeah definitely um it's it's really got a very strong metroid prime vibe down to scanning things which um ultimately uh uh, will eventually unlock extra upgrades and stuff that you know things you can build uh for yourself back at your base um it has a you know it has a number of other interesting features there's kind of a um uh, you know, there's a run-based mechanism where you're going out and trying to gather up resources and, and accomplish certain things. And if you die, then you respawn. You're kind of cloned back at your um, at your spaceship that 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 crash landed on this planet. And then you have to go back and try to gather up your resources. You know, whatever you died with that you didn't deposit back at the base. So there's some of that stuff. But overall, I mean, it's it's really quite forgiving. There's tons of fast travel points that make it really easy to zip around and go um, and go find secrets and and you know it's pretty easy to to come back to places you've been before and find all the things that you missed the first time or or just couldn't get to more likely you missed uh, actually so um, yeah I've really 
Really enjoyed um, digging through the all the environments. Uh, very, lot, very vertical places, a lot of caves, um, a lot of time spent on floating islands way up in the sky. Um, you can see down below you. It's a, it's a cool world, and uh, it's pretty funny too. Um, the uh, energy goo that I asked about in the in the hint question is called Grob with an exclamation point. Grob, G-R-O-B. And uh, it's this fake brand of, uh, of like metabolic sustenance that is provided to the space travelers, the space explorers, um, uh, by this company that you work for. It's all, it's a really funny kind of a satirical um, corporate colonization theme. And you really kind of just, you learn about the world and about your character and about this company that you work for through the series of videos that are downlinked to your um, crash spacecraft as you complete various objectives and some of them are just uh, fake commercials for various products that exist in this uh, fictional uh, universe and one of them is Grob and um, there's a pretty funny uh, like sort of like a, remember the fake uh, commercials that ran on Ren and Stimpy back in the 90s mm -hmm. it's oh, yeah. very much like you know it's log it's log it's big it's heavy it's wood yep. it's that kind of thing uh, for Grob and, and a few other fake products throughout there um, so yeah, the game has a lot of style to it. Uh, I don't know that the story is like super deep or anything, but it's very enjoyable. And I, I thought the videos. Uh, there's a lot of uh, full motion videos with, you know, real actors, and uh, I just thought the production on them and the writing were pretty funny. Pretty good stuff. Hmm. All right. Well, um, I'll keep it on my radar. Uh, definitely more likely to play when, when there's a Switch version. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and of course the soundtrack is awesome. I mean, if you made me the sound director for a video game, it would it would probably come out sounding something like this. It would certainly have all these elements. I'm not saying I would be competent <laughs> at producing it, but I would I would attempt to make something that sounded quite a bit like this game. Uh, so I enjoyed uh, I enjoyed hearing all that stuff throughout. It's not like a huge soundtrack. It's not a huge game. It's kind of bite sized compared to something like a Metroid Prime. But uh, I think that's good. I think that's probably. I think it's. I think this is just the right length, actually. And there's some. There's some uh, downloadable content that I have not checked out yet, that might make it longer. With new music cool. that I have not heard yet, well, so I'm looking forward I'm, to that. Certainly, with 2D uh, Metroidvanias, I feel like shorter is often better. So yeah. that, that actually doesn't sound like a negative to me at all. Yeah. If uh, they trimmed a lot of the fat off. Definitely, you will get new abilities at a pretty rapid pace. Which I think is a good feeling, you know. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, that is the last game for tonight. Um, Johnny, thank you for co-hosting. I know it was kind of a, a short notice thing, so appreciate you uh, making time. It was very fun. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Uh, and again, if you have your own requests, you can email them to me at typ at nintendoworldreport.com. There's also a link to a form uh, on each episode page so you can get to it there as well um, check out the website and I don't know Johnny if there's anything these days you're plugging but if there is plug away uh, yeah I think I can real quick um, plug that um, I was recently on the uh, Nintendo World Report Patreon uh, feed with a bonus episode uh well, it's technically an RFN bonus episode, but it's a, it's not really about Nintendo anything. Uh, it was with Guillaume and Karen and, and uh, Candace, my partner, and we talked about Star Trek Picard the whole first season. So um, 
If you're a Star Trek fan, you can check that out. Just donate a, a buck or two to uh, Nintendo World Report and uh, show your appreciation and uh, support the site. And you can get that and a bunch of other stuff from uh, Talk Nintendo and, um, and, uh, and other content from the creators of our website. Um, and then I also uh, recently participated in a virtual CrossCon, uh, our annual Crosstalk get-together. Normally we do it in person, but this year with the pandemic we weren't able to, so um, we recorded uh, remotely, kind of like in the old days. It was a, sort of a box office poison slash grab bag of topics, and uh, Mike Sklins was on it, so uh, that, w- that was great, and um, that is not available yet, but I think it will be coming fairly soon, and uh, in anticipation of that event, I also... Uh, was able to publish the show that we did a year ago. Well, more than, now it's a little bit more than a year ago in May of 2019. Um, and so that is uh, kind of like a combo of Box Office Poison and Rough Draft. So movies and beer mixed together. We talk about The Big Lebowski and Booksmart and stuff like that. Um, and also kind of just some Seattle tourism stuff, some cultural exploration of Seattle, because that's where we were last year um so you can check that out at crosstalk.com that's uh with a w talk t-a-w-k crosstalk.com and uh yeah check that out as well awesome all right thanks everyone and keep on listening yeah see ya okay i'm gonna push a button that may break things the grab-and-go superlicious mega-morphological food base from Suckage Farms. The universe's number four sustenance resource just got a whole lot juicier with Platinum Slurp Plus, Nutri-Minerals, Power Booster, and 20 million! Anatomically reconfigurable nanoclusters simulate a virtually unlimited number of foods and beverages in your mouth and straight into your stomach for maximum satisfaction with exemplary convenience with tastes, flavors, and textures like beef, chicken, corn, chocolate mousse, hard candy, chili bacon burger, sunny mayonnaise, chives, baked seedy, parmesan cheese, vanilla swirl, long john donut, salisbury steak, pasta paisano, buffalo banana wings, horse biscuits, pineapple pizza poppers, lamb's flea, poutine, wonton fecal surprise, cucumber shit water, nose broth, and literally trillions more! Now that's good flavor. Bra, the 100% artificial food replacement gel taking Earth by storm. Don't be a snob, eat with the mob. Replace your food with Bra. Bra is considered a plus. Nine retro cluster is not cleared for non-terrestrial territory. Do not under any circumstances be to star gerbils. See website for details. Poppin Twinbee is copyright 1993 Konami. Shovel Knight King of Cards is copyright 2019 Yacht Club Games. Sayonara Wild Hearts is copyright 2019 Simogo. Metroid Prime Pinball is copyright 2005 Fuse Games. Journey to the Savage Planet is copyright 2020 Typhoon Studios. I'm looking at you, City Connection Company Limited. You know what you have to do.